get a chance to get communion. Um, it is in the back on both of the coffee tables. Um, if, if you need to get that, you can get up and, and pick up your communion so you have that. Uh, uh, we will be doing communion at the end of our service. Um, a, a few announcements that I wanted to make sure that, that we go over. We are still needing some cleaning supplies, and, and I know that you are looking just like us. We're trying to find those cleaning supplies. It's difficult, but if you see them out, um, Lysol wipes and Lysol spray are the two things that we really need. So uh, we're doing good on a lot of those other items. So right now, we don't need uh, bleach or, or those kind of things, but the Lysol wipes and the Lysol spray are the two things that I would say that we need the most, <clears throat> excuse me, at this moment. So keep that in mind. Um, I, I see all of you in your masks, and some of them are the surgical masks. Some of you have all different kinds of fun masks. Um, and we had more made out there. So if you are in need of masks, um, they are out there that you can pick up. Um, so please feel free, grab one of those um, if you need it during the week. Uh, if you find that you've lost one and you need to pick one up, you can go out and grab one of those. They, there is all different kinds of designs and so forth. And, and if you are in need of a smaller mask, I know some of these masks, my daughter tries to put one of them on and she loves it, but it's just too big for her face. If you let us know, we can actually have some of those made that are a little bit smaller. So just um, a, a reminder of that. Um, also, Secret Sisters, um, the Women in Touch and the Secret Sisters are meeting this evening um, at the Williams House. It's at 630. So I encourage all of the ladies to plan to attend that. The Secret Sister reveal is happening. But if you weren't a part of the Secret Sisters um, and, and you want to come all ladies are welcome to come to this event. It is a carnival night. You don't have to bring anything. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, I was told that Kevin's going to have the Ferris wheel going. It's just going to be an awesome night. Um, and, and then they will start the new Secret Sister uh, sometime in September. Um, and, and things will be going out for that. So keep that in mind. Uh, CIY, uh, continue praying for our CIY. That's going to be happening um, in a couple of weeks. We need prayer partners for CIY. Uh, we have a, a list uh, of of things that are needed. There's a sign-up genius that's going to be going out because we need help during those couple of days of CIY. So if you are off during the day or the evening and you would like to help with that, um, we will be having that put out as well. Also, we have our virtual vacation Bible school coming during the month of August. Um, and, and we encourage you, if you have children that fit into those areas, make sure you sign up now because we want to make sure that we have the bags ready. It's going to be a month long. The lessons will take place on Sunday mornings, and then during the week, you will get to homeschool your vacation Bible school. Um, so I, I just encourage you to uh, register if you can ahead of time. That way we can make sure that we have enough bags prepared for all of the, the children that are going to be a part of that. Um, we're going to keep you up to date with all of the other announcements and things that are happening right now. Um, we're going to continue looking at uh, the book of James and this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And uh, I, I have a lot of books um, that I read. Um, I'm not one of those that just sits down. How many readers do we have that you just love to read? How many of you would rather, if it, it's made into a movie, you would rather just wait for the movie? Yeah, I'm the same way. Now, how many of you want to read the book and then watch the movie and then while the movie's going on, you criticize all of the things that aren't in the book. Well, here's the thing. I didn't read the book, 
so you're not spoiling anything for me, I promise. Oh my goodness, did you see that? That's not in the book, or they did more. Okay, but for me, it has to be something that I'm passionate about. I don't just sit down and read fiction books all the time um, and, and things like that. My mom is that way. My sister is that way. It's just not into me. But if there's a book, um, uh, when, it, uh, when it comes to Christianity and how we can better our church and how we can better ourselves when it comes to knowing the Word of God and, and how we can just be that better Christian, I'm all in. And one of the guys that I love to read, his name is Craig Rochelle. And several years ago, he had a book that um, was entitled uh, The Christian Atheist, Believing in God but Living as If He Doesn't Exist. And this is how Groeschel starts the book. Hi, my name is Craig Groeschel, and I'm a Christian atheist. For as long as I can remember, I've believed in God, but I haven't always lived like he exists. You might think it odd for a pastor to struggle with living like there is no God. However, in my corner of the world, Christian atheism is a fast-spreading spiritual pandemic which can poison, sicken, and even kill eternity. Yet Christian atheism is extremely difficult to recognize, especially by those who are infected. And we sit back and we go, wow, you mean to tell me that pastors really struggle with things like that? And the answer is yes. Church people struggle. You, you try to sit down. I don't need to hear myself again. <laughs> I get in trouble all the time for it. I'm sorry. My, my phone is back there, so it's not going to go off up here. I know Scott's watching, and he's probably going to try to text me right now. Um, but it's something very difficult, when we struggle with knowing that there is a God and, and then not just believing, but then acting on it. And so today from our text in James chapter four, verse 13, I want us to ask this simple question. Am I living my life as if there is no God? So let's read James chapter four, verses 13 through 17. James says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spread a year, or spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now last week, we, we looked at um, what James said just prior to this, and, and our, our, our truth there was God gives grace to the humble, not to the haughty. And, and here's where we're headed today. Live as if this is your last day to live. Live as if today is your last day to live. Verse 13 provides a, the, the symptoms of our disease. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So this is a person who makes plans without any regard for God's purposes. 
the phrase come now occurs only here and in James chapter 5 verse 1. It's a terse and a blunt way of saying, listen up and pay attention. James wants those Christians in Jerusalem to pay attention to what he's about to say. And he really gets down. And, and, and to really bring it home, in this moment, he doesn't call them brothers. And many times, he really tries to soften the message by calling them brothers, not in this section. He doesn't use that term here. He wants to get their attention as he writes this. You see, these people had a solid business plan. They had a place, they had a program, and they had a purpose. It seemed like they had everything figured out, or almost everything. The, the phrase, you who say, is in the present tense, meaning that uh, they said these kind of things all the time. This was just something that happened all the time to them. So let's go through this. When? Today or tomorrow. Where? Such and such a town. Well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. How long? Well, I'm going to spend about a year. What? I'm going to make a trade. Why? To make a profit. What's left out? God's left out, absolutely. The who is what's left out, right? When we go through this, it's God that's being left out. In all of their planning, they had the what, they had the when, they had the how, they had it all figured out. But they left out the who. God was nowhere in their plans. They were self-absorbed, self-assured, self-confident, self-sufficient, self-indulgent, and self-centered. Notice that they say, we will go, as if nothing could possibly slow them down. They are moving forward with their plans, and nothing is going to get in their way. I'm reminded of the five I wills that Lucifer, Satan, the devil, says, if we go back to Isaiah chapter 14, um, we read there, it's, it's talking about Babylon, and then in, in uh, verse 12, it talks about, oh, morning star, how you have fallen. And then in verses 13 through 14, we get these five I wills, and it's the reasons that he was banished from heaven. Satan, Lucifer, the devil, says, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Wow. You know, a lot of people want to compare and contrast God and Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever name you want to give him. And a lot of people in the world today and Sadly, in the church, they put God here and they put Satan right here on a level playing field. But the problem is that, that Satan didn't realize that he forgot. He realized he just forgot. And what we often forget is that God created Lucifer. No one is on the same level playing field as God. None of us. Not even Satan. He is powerful. Yes, he had all kinds of, the, the, uh, of, of angels that fell with him. They said, hey, we're going to follow Satan, but he is not on the same playing field. Okay, And he had these five I wills in his life, and it's what led to his demise. 
Now here's the thing that we need to remember. And you're probably saying, Travis, are, are, are you telling me that I'm not allowed to make plans? Are, are you telling me that making plans is a bad thing? No, making plans is a good thing, but making them without acknowledgement of the Almighty, that is presumptuous and it puts us in a precarious situation. We need to be very careful that we always bring the will of God in to our plans. And that's what I really want us to, to dive into. There's five uh, directives to heal our self-centeredness. The first one is that we have to admit arrogance of the future. Listen to the last part of, of verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what's going to happen as we leave this church building. We don't know what will happen tonight, let alone worrying about tomorrow or a year from now. Or, or Now, again, is it a bad thing that we try to make plans? As a church, we do that. As a church body, as a leadership, as a staff, as we come together, we're talking, hey, what's our one-year goal? What's our two-year goal? What's our three- to five-year plan? Hey, where are we going to be at in seven to ten years? So we're making plans, but we're doing it with God in the background. Here's the thing. This year, coming into 2020, now, now we've been like slapped like coyote going directly into the wall. But, but we had a lot of plans that we wanted to share with you that we wanted to do here to the church. There, there's a lot of exciting things that we were like, hey, we're going to go to the church and we're going to look at doing this or that. And, and we're going to uh, add on a couple of extra doors to where, you know, you don't have to be yelled at as you're trying to come in the doors. Shh, service is going on. Shh. We don't want to have to do that. So we want to put an extra set of doors there. And we want to look at how we can expand the church because we're growing. And, and we have young ones coming in. And our youth group is expanding. And, hey, what, we wanted to share all of those things. And then God says, hey, I got something for you. Let's prepare you in another way. Let's prepare you to make sure that you are spreading my gospel message. And so you know what we did with those plans? Whoop, right up on the shelf. We said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to them. Not that we're not going to do them, but we're just putting them on hold for a little bit because we have more important things that we need to make sure that we're focused on of, of making sure that we get the gospel message out to as many people as we possibly can. That during these times of crisis in many people's lives that we're helping serve with the food drive. I didn't mention that during my announcements. We're still collecting food. We encourage you, bring in your items. Bring those in. Put them in the box or the, the container that's just outside of the doors here at the church. You go directly to serve and you drop those off. In, in the past, we, we still helped with the Micah Ministries. We didn't bring and collect things as a church, but yet we said, hey, we want to help. So we still took that money that we would normally give and we gave it directly to the Micah house to where they could provide meals for the homeless down in Fredericksburg. We're working with Serve and we're working with others within our congregation that are in need. And we have to make sure that we're doing that. We're making sure that we have switcher going and that things are working properly. And hey, we know that there's always things that go wrong or right. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, everything went well online yet the computer here at the church froze 
And, and so you didn't get to follow along with what was happening behind me, but I, I just thought Karen fell asleep because I was like, well, we've been on Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3 for about a half an hour. I guess I should just keep preaching, you know. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I, st- I stayed the course. But, you know, things happen, right? But we have to be ready to move with it. It's good to make plans, but make sure that we are not being self-centered in what we're doing. Verse 14 says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. The only time that we have for sure is right now. Right now. So let's make sure that we are living in the present. Yesterday is called the past because it has already passed. Tomorrow is not here yet. I don't recall where I first heard this. It was very helpful. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. And today is a gift. And that's why it's called the present. It's good that we don't know the future, right? Because if we knew that the future brought prosperity, we'd get a little bit proud, because we knew that we accomplished something or we would accomplish something. We also have to be careful because if we knew that disaster was coming, we might fall into despair. Oh, woe is me, I don't know how I'm gonna do this because I know disaster is is coming. So we have been called, James says, I want you to live right now in the presence. Have you admitted arrogance about the future? Live as if today was your last day to live. Life is not only uncertain, it's also short. And that's our second point. Acknowledge the brevity of life. We see this in the second half of verse 14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Phillips paraphrases it this way. You are like a puff of smoke visible for a little while and then and dissolving into thin air. Now, the Greek word for mist is atmos. We get atmosphere from this Greek word of of mist. And James is thinking about the morning mist that would be out upon the Mediterranean Sea. And at the sunrise, as the sun would start to come up, there would be this mist that just was over top of all of the sea. But the moment that that sun came out, poof. It was gone. The mist was just gone. And, and the word vanishes, it, it means and has the idea of utterly disappearing. Our life is only going to happen for a very, very short time. And we go, well, I, you know, now today with technology and everything, we could live to be, you know, 90, 100 years old. Compared to all of history, compared to eternity, that's just a little blip and a dot, and we need to remember that. Let's ponder the brevity of life. We go back to the book of Psalms. Psalm 89, verse 47 says, remember how short my time is. Psalm 102, verse three says, for my days pass away like smoke. Psalm 144, verse four says, man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Listen. When our life here is over, we pass to the land of the living. A lot of times we get that backwards. We think, well, we're going to go to the land of the dead because, you know, we're dead. But 
we actually pass over to the land of the living because it's in all of eternity that we will be. I heard it said, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. Let's make sure that we always remember, especially that last one. Christ is the cure to death. We can live forever for all of eternity in heaven with Jesus if we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, life is uncertain. It's too short to live without God at the very center of your life. We count our lives in years, but God tells us in Psalm 90 verse 12 to number our days, not just our years, number our days. Have you admitted arrogance about the future? Have you acknowledged the brevity of life? The third directive is found in verse 15. Make sure that we're aligning with the will of God. Align with the will of God. Verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You see, what James wants us to do is we're called to move from arrogant independence to intentional dependence upon God. Not just think about what we can do and how we're going to do, but putting God at the very center of that. You see, God is actively and personally involved in your life. We talked about that last week. I talk about that a lot. We have to remember that God is active. He's in your life. He is there with you every step of the way. And we need to make sure that we always, always remember that. I talked to um, a, a family, uh, one, of, one of the families of our church, and, and uh, they were moving um, this past weekend. And as moving was happening, it just seemed like Satan was just, it didn't seem like Satan was attacking them every step of the way. And there was times that there was thoughts of, I don't know what we're supposed to do right now, but they stayed the course because they knew that God was behind them every step of the way. And they're now completely moved and Satan tried. <laughs> he tried his hardest, but God is stronger. God is bigger. God is bigger than the boogeyman, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, amen to that one. Yeah, I, I grew up with those, and I still, I show them to my granddaughter at the time. If you don't know, you need to know, okay? And, and, and I encourage you, you can go watch all of the Veggie Tales. Um, they're, they're online. You can find them. You need to watch them if you haven't. That's all I'm going to say. Align with God's will. And, and here's a word that we need to stick with, if. There, there, there's that little word there. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. It makes all the difference when we put if in front of it. Warren Wearsby was speaking at a youth conference and, uh, and a teenager remarked, I would give my life to the Lord, but I'm afraid. When he asked about her fears, she answered, I'm afraid he'll ask me to do something dangerous. Wearsby, Wearsby wisely responded, the dangerous life is not in the will of God, but one out of the will of God. The safest place in the world is right where God wants you. And that's what we have to hold on to. Be 
in the will of God. Put that word if in your vocabulary. No amount of money, influence, power, or planning can guarantee tomorrow. Only God grants us another sunrise and another breath. Let's declare what David did in Psalm 31, verse 15. He says, my times are in your hand. The apostle Paul was great of expressing these things. When we look through all of his writings and his journey we, we see things that he says, Acts 18, 21 says, I will return to you if the Lord will, or if God wills. 1 Corinthians 4, 19, he says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. 1 Corinthians 16, 7, he says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now, does this mean that we must always declare if in front of our things? No, because we could just throw it in there and then it becomes terse to us and we just flippantly throw it around. Paul didn't always necessarily put that word if God allows, if the Lord wills, when he said certain things. In Romans 15, 28, he says, when therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. He was writing there to the Romans and, and he wanted to go to Rome. The Romans wanted him. Th those Christians in Rome, they said, please come and be with us, Paul. We would love to have you here with us. And he says, okay, I would love to be with you, but I'm only staying a short time. You see, Paul didn't just have it in his mind that he was going to go to a certain town and stay there. He, he was constantly on the move. He had three missionary journeys that he constantly was, was on the move, starting churches, checking up on churches. It's why he's writing all of these letters because he would start the church, he would stay there for a little while, and then he would leave. And after he would leave, he would find out that this was going on or this was going on. He was encouraging them. He was writing back to them saying, hey, quit acting like that. Uh, don't act like that. Hey, keep doing this. Keep moving forward in your faith. And he was always writing those letters because he was always on the move. And he says, hey, I'm going to come through Italy. I'm going to come through Rome, but I'm not staying there because I think God wants me in Spain. Did he make it? He didn't. He did make it to Rome, not the way he wanted because we know that that was the final destination for Paul in his missionary journeys was in Rome. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 5, he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. He didn't always have that condition of if God wills or if God allows, but it was always in his thinking. We have to make sure that we don't follow just some trite formula. Well, we talked about that when we uh, went over prayer at the very beginning, and we talk about that a lot in our prayer life and, and other things that we do. Don't just use one formula. Don't, don't just say the Lord's Prayer and, and then think that that's going to walk us through, and that's it. It's not some trite formula that we just get to go through. It has to be from the heart. It has to come from our soul, that we're speaking directly to our Father in heaven. One commentator offers this helpful insight. We should refer, defer, and prefer God's will. We should refer, defer, and 
prefer God's will. Again, it's not wrong to make plans, but we just have to make sure that they are in line with God's purposes. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Our next directive is to avoid arrogance. Avoid arrogance. According to verse 16, God does what he chooses in my life. Therefore, I must accept what he chooses to do. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. The word boast means to glorify oneself higher than God. The word arrogance was originally used of wandering hucksters who were full of empty and boastful claims about their cures. We see those. Our hucksters today wouldn't be the traveling salesmen. It would be the infomercials on TV. How many of you ever tried to use the Flex Seal stuff? Anybody, anybody tried to make a boat out of it? All right, did it, did, did it work for you? Okay, it did work for you. Did it work? Didn't work for you. They made a tape, okay? And if you put this, you, it, it's even good inside of water. So I took a piece of it, put it inside of our pool last year because we had a leak, stuck it on there, <laughs> slid right off. I'm gonna get another piece. Maybe it was a defective piece. Put it on there. It stuck for like a minute, <laughs> slid right off, water shooting out. I'm like, what in the world? You know, because you can't put it on the outside. I tried to put it on the outside, and, and the moment that you put it on the outside, it still got wet, so it still just fell off. And, 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 and I'm not, hey, if you, if you agree with it, great. If it worked for you, awesome. But there's so many of those things, as seen on TV. And, and uh, how many, anybody have Ginsu knives? No? We have, they're not Ginsu. I don't even know what we bought. But I bought a set, and, and we'll even send you an extra pair. All you do is pay for shipping and handling. We actually still use them, okay? And they're actually not bad knives, okay? But, and I bought them when we first got married. So they're, you know, 20 years old, and, and, and they're still hanging in there. Um, the serrated parts, the, the flat knives, nope, got to sharpen them all the time. But anyway, sorry, sorry, anyways. We see these hucksters all the time that want to go around and boast of their cures and all of these great things. We have to make sure that we don't pride ourselves too much in what I do. Let's make sure that we always give the glory to God. You see, if we plan without aligning ourselves with God's purposes, we will become arrogant. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says, your boasting is not good. We might call ourselves Christ followers, but by leaving God out of our lives, we're acting as what Groeschel talked about at the very beginning, Christian atheists. We go back to the Old Testament, and we read in, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, that we definitely don't want to become like King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, is not this great Babylon, this is King Nebuchadnezzar talking, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal resident and of the glory of my majesty. Now we can all be like that, but we need to be careful because if we keep reading in Daniel 
Anybody remember what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar and his mightiness? Yeah, he went crazy and ended up eating like an ox out in the pasture. Be careful that we don't become prideful of, look what I did. Look what I have accomplished. Let's make sure that we do not become boastful. And then our final point, let's make sure that we act in obedience. We've been challenged from the book of James to live out what we're learning. The final directive is found in verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This attitude says something like this. God, I know what you want me to do, but I just don't feel like it. I think I know better than you. That's the same mentality that Lucifer had that led to his fall that we talked about at the very beginning of the message. Some of us think that we haven't done anything really bad. We're pretty good overall. We point out other sins because we're not as bad as, as them. We're good enough. Edmund Burke said this, all that is necessary for, the, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. You see, James here is addressing the sins of omission. The sins of omission which result from failing to do something God's will commands us to do. You see, a sin of commission is a sin we are actively committing. Here, James is talking about that sin of omission. Paul struggled with both of these in, in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 20. He describes not doing what he knows he should do, sins of omission, and, and then doing what he doesn't want to do, sins of commission. I'm reminded of the young boy who was asked in Sunday school if he knew the difference between sin of commission and omission. The young boy said, sins of commission are the sins that we have already committed, and the sins of omissions are just sins we haven't gotten around to yet. The best way to deal with the future is to be faithful today. If you want to be in God's will, don't say, hey, you know what? When my kids get a little bit older, then I'll go to church. I'll get active with them. Don't wait. We're never promised tomorrow. Be active today. You see, when you procrastinate doing the right thing, you end up doing the wrong thing. Knowing what should be done obligates a person to do it. If you know something you should be doing, do it. Don't wait. Don't allow yourself to fall into that trap. Jesus said it strongly in Luke chapter 12, verse 47, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. I'm not threatening you with a beating. We need to bring it back in schools. Just saying, it worked for me. I, I was good because I knew I was going to get it at school and at home. Mr. Benz carried that paddle around all day. That shouldn't 
we shouldn't live in the fear of getting a beating. But being outside of the will of God, hmm, we don't want to look at what that eternity will look like. That's scary. Because if we know what awaits us outside of the will of God, what awaits others who are our friends and our neighbors and our family that are outside of the will of God, that should scare us enough to say, hey, I need to share the message with them because I don't want them to have to deal with that. We could say it like this, delayed obedience is really disobedience. Do you have any delayed obedience in your life right now? Is there something that you need to be actively doing right now? Don't delay. Get active today. So here's what we've learned. Admit ignorance of the future. Acknowledge the brevity of life. Align with God's will. Avoid arrogance. Act in obedience. So how do we put all this into practice? Just give you a couple of things in the way that we can put this into practice. In light of eternity, you and I must do things differently today. Here are some ways that we can do that. Number one, repent of being a Christian atheist today. If that's something that you struggle with, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I read my Bible. Yeah, I come to church. Yeah, I watch it online. But you're not actively doing something about it. Then what is your faith? We have to be doers of the word. That's what James has already told us. If you've been living like God doesn't exist, admit it right now. Repent of your rebellion. And you know what's great? That's not something that you have to come to me and say, Travis, I need to repent. Right now, where you sit, you can repent. You can go to God and ask for his forgiveness in your life right now. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to Jared or Justin. You don't have to talk to one of the elders. Now, here's the great thing. We're here for you. We'd love to talk with you. If you, if, if you need to just get something off of your chest and, and you need someone to talk it through with, we're here for you. But you don't have to go through us. We go directly through Jesus, and that's what's awesome. Number two, get right with others today. Treat your spouse as if he or she was going to die tonight. That you might not get to see her when you wake up in the morning. That he may not be laying there next to you tomorrow because his life has been taken Treat your brothers and sisters as if he or she won't be here tomorrow. That's something I struggle with. They're younger than me. Shandy and Holly are just always going to be there. So I don't always reach out to them the way that I should. But I need to do that. I need to remind them of how much I care for them and how much I love them and how much I miss them. Treat your child as if he or she, or both, weren't going to be here this afternoon. That you may lose them. 
because you may be driving home today. Horrible car accident. You might catch COVID. So many different ways that our life can be expired. So don't wait. Get right with others today. Maybe there's someone that you need to ask forgiveness from. You hurt them. You know it. They may not even realize that they've done something or that you've done something wrong, but in your mind, you know that you've done wrong. Admit it. Go to them. Ask them for their forgiveness. Go with the gospel today. As you come in the doors, you see those three big arrows on the wall. <clears throat> you see it in our logo today. If you're new, you're like, what are those? Those are all part of going with the gospel. Seek Jesus. Meet together. Come worship Jesus together. Lead others. Get involved. Be a part of a small group. Be a part of the women's group. If you're not, I encourage you to do so. Be a part of the men's fellowship. Be a part of one of the ladies' Bible studies. Get involved in some way. Because listen, life is hard. Life is harder today. And we need to be in it together. <clears throat> Lead others. Deploy the disciples. And get out there and spread the word. Hey, in just a minute, we're going to get up and we're going to walk out those doors. And that heat wave is going to hit you. It's already warm. And as you go out there, I want you thinking, who can you share the gospel with? Who is your one more? We've talked about that a lot this year. And I really want to keep that in the forefront of your mind. Who's your one more? Who can you reach out to today that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? In the times that we're living, we need to be prepared and we need to be ready. And we don't, we're not promised tomorrow. So share the gospel. Invite them to one of the Bible studies. Invite them to your life group, even if it's online. Invite them Sunday morning. Share this post. E even if you're meeting here, <clears throat> you know the way that you can share the gospel and you really don't have to do much? Pull out your phone at the beginning of the service. Find our page and hit share. It's a way. Do a watch party. You don't have to keep your phone open, but you can share it from where you're sitting right now. In what other age could we possibly do that? Share the message. Invite one and get saved today. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ today, is the day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the favorable, favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do not delay. Do not wait. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today needs to be the day. Because we all have an appointment with judgment. We all have an appointment with judgment. So we need to be prepared. Whether we're going to heaven or hell, we have judgment coming. And so as we've walked through all of these things, we've come to the time that we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to remember what Christ did, why we can go directly to him, because he died for my sins. He died for your sins, 
and we remember that today by taking of these emblems. So you can take and peel the top layer off. That's where the bread's at. You peel the bottom layer off. That's where your juice is at. I'm going to pray for us. And then when you're ready, Tana's going to continue to play. You can just go to the Lord. And if you need to repent, if you need to ask forgiveness, if you just need to talk directly to him, now's that opportunity. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you for today and the ability to meet in your house. And Father, we just ask that you be with us as we partake of communion to remember what you have done for us. And Father, as we remember the sacrifice of your son, we just ask that you grant us that forgiveness as we repent as we seek out others, that we share your love. We pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name.